open up your books, you bad apples. I really like the app of Flight of the Concords where they get some fans because the whole show is about them not having any fans and they get a few fans and their manager keeps trying to tell them to drink beer because drinking beer will make them look like they're the rock and roll band that they are and they're trying to impress the girls so they bring them beers and a guy has a sip of one of them one of the beers and he goes oh yeah I could drink a whole glass of beer (laughs) a whole glass uh, I could drink a whole glass of beer. Uh, let me tell you, Raskolnikov, he he definitely can. He's a lightweight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Bad Apple Book Club. I am your host, Lucas Nord. And I am your host, Cole Lang. And Cole, pal, how is it going today? Going well. We are going to dive into episode three today, the third part the third episode of this podcast. The third part of the book of the third episode of the third section of the third part of the book. You, you know what? They say three is a magic number, and this episode is nothing but magic, so... Well, see, I've only ever heard that death comes in threes when I when I associate the number three with a sort of phrase or whatever. No, 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 no. No. This is the magic number. This is the magic number. No death here. Full full on life here. Full on life. I can get behind that. Um, yes. Alrighty. So I suppose before we dive into the nitty gritty here, we should give a brief recap of episode two and part two of the book. Yeah, part two. Uh, th- there, there's a few things that happen. First off, Raskolnikov, he obviously was me- mentally suffering. From his crime, he met Peter, Peter, the man that is going to, or is his sister's fiance. And Peter Petrovich. Peter Petrovich. And Raskolnikov is not a fan. He almost threw him down the stairs in their last encounter. And he hid his treasures, uh, the stuff he stole from the pawnbroker. And we're introduced to Razumian the Dr. Zosimov, and then at the very end of the book, his mother and sister are introduced, and he fainted. So, And that's where part three picks back up. Isn't it kind of nice, though, to think that even though, as, as everyone listening or reading can tell, Raskolnikov's a bit of a handful, but if nothing else, you can't knock the man for how passionate he is about everything he ever does. Yeah, whether it be axe murders, whether it be hating his sister's fiance. Well, see, that's mostly what I was getting at. Um, he, yeah, he he's ready to throw the guy down some steps, and he's just he's not gonna try to dance around the fact. You know, it's not like when there's one person you aren't fond of in a group of people, and you just kind of look at him funny and try to keep your distance. No, he's like you Stairs are. Now. <laughs> you are awful, and I cannot stand you, and I want nothing to do with you. Get out. Be gone. Be gone. Be gone, you demon. Yeah, um, I totally agree with you there. He, if if he doesn't like you, he'll definitely let you know. Unless it's the police, then he has to (laughs) act a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, So he, so he doesn't look suspicious, of course. Yeah, no, and he's already, he's already got that not looking suspicious in the bag. 
Yeah. Uh, Fainting well, at the police office or like completely zoning out until someone mentions the murder and then he springs up and says, I didn't hear anything about any murder. <laughs> and that's the thing. That That's the only thing that uh, seems to be the fuel in the tank for this guy. Like that's the only thing that will get him to talk. So he feels he feels strongly about it. That's for sure. Yeah, he has an opinion about it. Definitely. Yep. So part three, we'll dive in here and... So, like, like I was saying earlier, Raskolnikov, he was just about to, well, his family, his sister and his mother were just about to embrace him and hug him. And then Raskolnikov just faints. And that's where part two ended. Part three begins with him awakening. And the first thing he tells his mother and his sister is to go away. And he hasn't seen them for three years. So that is uh, very harsh of him. Kind of a tough pill to swallow. Yes. Yes. Especially for the mother and sister, because he is definitely a different person than they remember him being. But before his family leaves, his mother is like, oh, it was so kind of uh, Dunya, his sister. Uh, it was so kind of Dunya's fiance to come visit him. And that was Peter. And Raskolnikov is like, oh, yeah, he was so nice. I almost threw that guy down the stairs. And then he tells her that she must call off the marriage. He tells Dunya that. And he basically says, hey, listen, it's either me or Peter. So, well, yeah, we're getting a See, very harsh introduction right now. Jumping back to the letter that he got from his his mom and sister in the first part of the book, even right then he he thinks something sounds kind of fishy about this high-ranking official going and marrying this lowly um I don't know, is surf the right word or is that no. term like way more ancient than this book? No, the, either they're way. about middle middle lower class. Yeah, he uh, he immediately senses something kind of funny when this guy wants something to do with with his uh, sister. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, from the start, Raskolnikov was not a fan of this man. But anyways, nope. Razumian, he is drunk and he escorts the mother and sister out of the room so they don't upset Raskolnikov any further because he does not want to see anybody. Last thing he needs is more stress. Yes. Yeah, he's kind of a ticking time bomb. Razumian, he is very attracted to the sister. And Dostoevsky goes into extreme lengths on how beautiful she is and her personality. Very strong person. And explains he explains that he must escort them back to their shitty hotel that Peter got for them. Yep, procured by him. And if we'll remember, um, Raskolnikov made a bit of a stink when he heard about the arrangements made for his family because he didn't find them to be up to snuff. Oh, they all did. It wasn't just Raskolnikov. The whole room was uh, criticizing Peter <laughs> <on>. for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you couldn't find a single review that was above one star for this hotel. <laughs> yeah. I suppose I wouldn't want my family staying there either. Yeah. So while while he's escorting him back, he is like super enthusiastic and he's a bigger dude as well. And he's squeezing both of their hands like very hard this whole time. And they're kind of like, who we just met this guy and he's like really hurting our hands. <laughs> and Once again, uh, he's got the passion. Yeah, he's got the passion and that's all you need. 
but um after a while they're just kind of like okay he's he's drunk but it's obvious that he he means well you know Razumian starts to explain that he isn't that drunk and he he's simply drunk from the sight of dunya raskolnikov's sister so he goes on to say, I am not worthy of you. I am not worthy worthy of you. <laughs> and then he goes on a rant about philosophy and like these new ideas about like forging your own path, whatever. And he's like still shaking their hands like while doing this. <laughs> and they're like, all right, maybe he wasn't as cool as we thought he was. And then No, he's just he's a little nervous. He's got the pre-show jitters. <laughs> he could just tell he's head over heels for this lady and uh maybe her mother too. Yes. And you know when when I look up pickup artists on YouTube, this is exactly what they'll teach you. You grab they're shaking a- hands. <laughs> yeah. They don't let go. You just tirade. You just start into a tirade about your own personal philosophies and all that kind of stuff. The whole time you got like a vice grip going on their hands and you are just shaking like you're trying to, you know, you're trying to shake a beehive out of a tree or something like that. Yes. And and one of the things they taught me on these videos is that if their knuckles aren't white, their whole hands aren't white yet, you need to squeeze harder. Okay, now, so this is actually, this is something I've been curious about before. I've heard of having white knuckles when you drive. Is that just talking about having a, like a death grip on the steering wheel? Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, that's good to know. You, you want the person's hand to ache afterwards so that they don't forget you. Yes, you want to leave that imprint on them. But anyways, uh, he, he, he gets on his knees and he's like, I want to kiss your hands now. Uh, that Peter put you in a pretty shitty hotel, so this is going to cure that. <laughs> but um, after that, he escorts them to their rooms and Razumian goes to check on Raskolnikov. Even before the sister entered the scene and uh, Razumian was fond of her, he was still like he was giving indentured servitude or whatever to Raskolnikov. And I guess that really shows like his sense of loyalty or something like that, because he's just he's been a real good guy so far, escorting people around and checking on his buddy. Yeah, yeah, he's the shit. I mean, it is a bit extreme during this. Yeah, I was going to say he seems a little intense, little intense. Come off, little comes intense. off as a little strong. But yep. yeah, it, I mean, it just goes to his character. He's very, he's a total foil to Raskolnikov. He means well. He means well, exactly. But Dostoevsky, he goes on to explain that he doesn't blame Razumian at all because, like I was saying earlier, he explains that Dunya is very beautiful and also her confidence is very hi and and she's also a foil to raskolnikov like well they're both handsome and beautiful but yeah you know dunya obviously is just a complete opposite when it comes to her character she's said to be uh yeah pretty pretty strong-willed and willing to do anything for her family yeah, and Dostoevsky also explains that, well, the mother, uh, she's kind of a looker too, but that was well, really hey, brief. They had to get their looks from somewhere. Very true, very true. And so Razumian, he comes back to the sister and the mother with the doctor, and the doctor proudly explains that 
he thinks he knows what's wrong with Raskolnikov. This is one of his first patients, so he's very try he's trying to boast his findings. Sure. But they exit the room and the doctor says, "Well, now that's a fetching girl." As he's licking his lips and then Razumian, Ooh. he he gets very angry <laughs> and, he, and he grabs him by the throat. <laughs> he slams him against the wall and he's like, "How dare you? How dare you?" And then he lets go of the doctor and he tells him, "Hey, if you want to hook up with somebody, you should really get with Raskolnikov's landlady." Hey. <laughs> Whoever said chivalry is dead? <laughs> yeah. He he's basically saying dibs. Yes, yes. He he call. He, he's got dibs on Dunya. That's a fetching girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fetching girl. <laughs> uh, I would pretty do, innocent uh, comment. Yeah, I would reenact like him licking his lips, but that sounds pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> but. So, like, Razumian's like, yeah, you should just go check out Raskolnikov's landlady. And then he's like, do you know how you can really impress her? If Is if you, like, diagnose her with, like, schizophrenia or, like, depression or something and, like, offer her a cure, she'd be so uh, amazed by your actions. <laughs> <laughs> so, he once again, like, he's taking notes from these YouTube pickup artists. He's got it all figured out, man. Razumian, he awakes the next morning and he's like, ah, oh, I, I really made an idiot of myself last night. But despite this, he gets up and he dresses better as usual. He shaves and also cleans his face. He goes to Dunya and the mother. And to his surprise, he's like, oh God, they're going to think I'm such a weirdo. But they're, they're actually pretty glad to see him. They are curious about... Raskolnikov's condition. Razumian has known him for about a year and a half and says, you know, he has a good heart, but he can be extremely callous. So he's kind of like the Grinch, you know, with that cartoon depicting like his heart growing bigger and stuff. But right. He means well, but he can be a little rough around the edges. Yeah, he can be kind of a dick. And, and we've seen that so far. We've seen... We've seen the acts of charity and the complete disrespect for random strangers. And his family. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and then Razumian also explains that it's almost as if he has like a switch where he can switch between two characters where he can be this really nice person, but then instantly turn into this extreme, extremely mean person. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Basically. He also thinks that Raskolnikov isn't capable of loving someone. And then the mother is like, now wait a second. He did have a girlfriend, but she was extremely ugly. <laughs> but she had a very good personality. And this Aww. girlfriend was the landlady's daughter. And then the mother out of nowhere... She's like, yeah, it was kind of a good thing that she died. She was pretty ugly. <laughs> like, just out of nowhere, she says this. <laughs> she has, like, all these, like, little um, side comments that, if you pay attention closely, are really funny. They casually transition to a letter that Peter sent earlier. In the letter, he explains that he will not be able to meet with the family due to 
matters that involve his position in the Senate. He sets up a meeting for tomorrow evening, but he specifically requests that Raskolnikov cannot be there. Man, this is already just off to an awful start. Yeah, I mean, uh, they are walking through so many red flags. Yeah, they are. Just, I mean, you kind of wonder what it was, uh, other than the obvious bad impression of beating Raskolnikov for the first time, but he may also see something that, you know, he he may see that Raskolnikov may be onto a scheme or something like that, instead of just being put off by his uh, immediate abrasiveness. Yeah, a lot, lot of warning signs for sure. Right. He also explains in the letter that he saw Raskolnikov visited the Marmoladov house, the man who was unfortunately ran over by the horses in the previous episode, R.I.P. R.I.P. So he tells them that he saw Raskolnikov give the daughter Sonia, the prostitute, money, which didn't happen. He, he gave the money for them for the funeral expenses. So he's already trying to make Raskolnikov look bad in front of his Paint family. Paint a bad picture. Exactly, yes. Especially to his own family. Yeah, like he, I mean, Raskolnikov, you know, he's playing like the either it's you or me game, but Peter is definitely playing it just as much. I think even if Raskolnikov doesn't know what he's doing, he might kind of know what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, at least his intentions are good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, oh the family is just kind of like, well, how, how would Peter know this? That's kind of weird. Like, he's from out of town. How does he know about Raskolnikov's whereabouts? They leave the room and head for Raskolnikov's, once again, cupboard of a room. Her yep. mom is, she's very scared to see her son's condition. I mean, they left on pretty bad terms after not seeing each other for like three years. Right. They, they climb the steps and the landlady being the recluse she is, is peeking from her door at at the group and like they see her too. And then (laughs) she slams the door as if nothing happened. (laughs) Don't mind me. Don't mind me. Yeah. They enter his room and the doctor claims that Raskolnikov is doing much better. Raskolnikov, he apologizes to everyone in the room for his previous behavior from the last night. He holds his hand out to his sister and he tries really hard to smile. (laughs) Like he's trying so hard to crack this smile. And then this action just makes everyone in the room go like, oh my God, it's a miracle. (laughs) Did you, did you ever see any of those live action Adams family movies? Ooh, uh, not for a while. Oh man. In the second one, Adam's family values one of the daughter Wednesday smiles at a group of people. And that's all I can picture right now. She's like, trying her hardest to force a smile on her face and since no one's ever seen her do it before they all go oh my god i'm scared (laughs) i'm pretty sure that's exactly how this would go down yeah like just looks totally unnatural on him yep (laughs) it looks almost he's really he's really like you can almost see the strings on the corners of his mouth being pulled up (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, 
so Raskolnikov, he he does this action, right? And then Razumian is just like standing in the corner observing him. And he's just like, oh, I love it when he has these little moments. (laughs) 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 And then his mother thinks, oh, how great is my boy doing a simple gesture like that? But he's so badly dressed. He looks like shit. (laughs) Aww. Raskolnikov, he goes on to say that he meant to go visit his family, but he forgot to tell the maid to wash out the blood in his clothes. Everyone is like, what? And then he reminds them that, yeah, I I was helping that guy that got ran over by the horse last night and got blood all over my clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Did I forget to tell you guys about that? I just saw a man into the the icy realm of death. <laughs> yeah, had like a couple of ribs uh, in his clothes too or something. Yeah, no, his chest was caved in. And I believe his face was also hit by, I don't know if it was stomped on or what, but he was almost unrecognizable. And yeah, they one of them definitely stepped on his chest. Oh, yeah, he, he was a mess. <laughs> He was worse for wear. (laughs) But anyways, he um, tells them, he also tells them that he gave away all the money that his mom sent him. And then his mom is like, oh, I'm sure everything you do is for charity. And then he responds, he's like, oh, don't be so sure. (laughs) Either way, she's got she's got a good opinion of of her son. Yeah. And she isn't wrong either, technically being charitable, like we've talked about many times. Yeah, yeah, she gets uh 50% of it, right? I guess. <laughs> yeah, she sent him she sent him a good handful of money to uh help him survive and he he gave a lot of it, if not all of it, over to the late Marmeladov's wife to help with the funeral. Yes. Yes, and I can't wait to get to that, but it's in absolutely. A, it's in another episode, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. I just got done writing uh, that whole scene of the funeral uh, dinner, and dude, I was laughing the whole time. I'm not even kidding you. When I, of everything I've read so far, when I when I was sitting down reading that chapter, I was like, I don't know that I was on pins and needles, but I was going, "Oh my god!" and yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh shit! There and like rereading it, there's so many like funny small details. So I'm very excited for it. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So after Raskolnikov is like, oh, "Don't be too sure about that, mom." Awkward silence follows for a few minutes, and then the mother like tells him about the woman that Dunya worked for has died. So if you'll recall, I believe it was in the first part that Dunya she was her her uh, reputation was ruined by this woman because she was suspected of having an affair with this woman's husband but this is the woman they're talking about and thankfully like the woman that was Dunya's boss she forgave her and saw she was in the wrong and helped her restore her reputation but yeah she just died recently and if we will recall it was that restoration of her reputation that led peter petrovich to her door yes yes peter definitely 
took advantage of the situation. It was like, hey, I'll I'll help you bring up your reputation again. And but yeah, so the mom, she's like, yeah, she died just like kind of out of nowhere. And they believe the husband of this woman that died had something to do with her death. Like that that, that that's the rumor that's going around. And then Raskolnikov, he just casually is like, well, did he beat her badly? And and he doesn't really understand, like, why are they talking about this bullshit? Because it's been three years and there's obviously better things to talk about. But Raskolnikov, you know, he doesn't even want to talk. So <laughs> um, and then he all of a sudden gets like this feeling that everyone in the room kind of has a fear for them or for himself. And he realizes that he can't really talk that much without mentioning the murder that he committed. So he's like, well, I'm out. I'm, I'm tired of talking about gossip in my hometown. <laughs> and then Razumian yells at him. He's like, Raskolnikov, like, get back. And then Raskolnikov says he remembers something and the doctor is like, well, my job is done here. And he leaves. A job well too might we add yes raskolnikov could actually recollect something from his memory so <laughs> but then i will take all the credit and i'll be on my way <laughs> yeah the soup has been working <laughs> the soup the soup has done the trick um you can send me my rubles in the mail you can uh upgrade his portions to four spoonfuls now four whole spoonfuls of of water soup mm, so good mm, yeah the best kind and then raskolnikov he kind of sticks around and he he talks about like oh yeah i remembered i almost married this this woman the landlady's daughter and it's almost as if he's like trying to humanize himself once again and he goes on to say yeah she was the most generous person and she wanted to be a nun but she was always really sick and just an ugly little thing and that was a quote (laughs) from the book so (laughs) he also was not a fan of her looks and that unfortunately yeah but he he recovers from this and he says that he would love her even if she was a hunchback so that was really nice. After he says this, silence just kind of engulfs the room. And the mother is the type of person who can't sit in an empty room. So she'll add anything to the conversation or start a conversation. And she just says, what a wretched place you live in. It's like a tomb. That's probably why you are so depressed, Raskolnikov. And then Raskolnikov is like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I think that would make anyone kind of, it'd definitely take a toll on anybody's mental health. I've heard of like underground apartments where you don't have any windows, so you can't get fresh air or sunlight in there. I imagine that would have quite the toll on someone. Oh, it's just like on Parasite when the yeah, husband's just like, like camping out that. down in that room. Oh man. Yeah. Such Ooh, a I just movie. got that on. I just got that on 4K. Lucky. So that should be fun to watch again one time. I'll have to rewatch that. That was such a good, such a good film. Definitely deserves all the war- awards it got. Uh, and anyways, out of nowhere, Raskolnikov is just like, once again, he says, 
you can't marry Peter. It's either me or him. And he claims that there isn't room for two scoundrels in the family. <laughs> this town ain't big enough for the both of us, Buster. <laughs> yep. He will. He also says that he will cut her out of his life if she marries him. So yeah, this whole conversation is just like I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in the SpongeBob reference, but it's like I'm Dirty Dan. <laughs> I'm Dirty Dan. Yeah, Raskolnikov is definitely putting his foot down on this guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame him either. Peter's a dick. Peter's a total dick. So, And then he also thinks that Dunya is doing this just to support the family, but Dunya is saying that's not the case. She says that if she has made a wrong judgment, she herself will be the one to carry the burden and she isn't committing a crime like murder. And then after hearing this, Raskolnikov, he faints briefly and it's almost as if like he bends down a little bit and like, and then like everyone in the room catches him and brings him back up and he wakes back up. (laughs) And then he's like, whatever, marry whoever you want. (laughs) Yep. It's up to you. Yeah. It's up to you. I've had enough. (laughs) They hand him the letter that Peter had written and and it's about the meeting with Dunya and where he specifically requests that Raskolnikov does, shouldn't show up. And then after reading this, Raskolnikov is like, for, for a man so educated, he sure writes like a stupid person. <laughs> <laughs> so... He then explains that Peter wants to create a separation between between him and his sister, referencing the part of the letter where he claims that Raskolnikov is just randomly giving the prostitute daughter money instead of yeah. The you can mom. just you can just tell that that is just complete slander. You know how would he have seen him hand the money off in the first place, and why? If he did see it, why would he be trying to drive this wedge in between him and his family by telling them about it? Yeah, and the family, they're they're starting to see that Raskolnikov, you know, he might be onto something here. Like, um, this isn't natural. Well, it's just such a specific thing to send the letter and just say like, yeah, well, your precious little angel is going and seeing women of ill repute. Mind your own business, Peter. Yeah. And so the whole family is just kind of like, you know what? Like, we hear you, Raskolnikov. And they agree that Razumian and Raskolnikov come to the meeting despite Peter's request. So that's another thing. Razumian was not invited to this either. Like, Razumian and Peter also don't get along from the previous encounter. So it's just you can really funny how all in he is about everything. Come to your family meeting. I'll watch after you and I'll escort your mom and your sister around. Like, I don't know. I guess he just hasn't had anything to do for a while. <laughs> yeah. I guess the publishing uh, company he is going to start has come to a rough start. You know, Raskolnikov isn't doing any work. So, nope. Uh, he's not doing his version of the transcript yeah. or his translation. So Raskolnikov is definitely lacking and Razumian, you know, is not doing anything either. So they have nothing better. He has nothing better to do other than go to this petty family meeting. I mean, it's it's so petty, 
But yeah, oh, yeah, so like, I mean, this just sets it up to be, you, you know, that it's going to be a very intense meeting. And then out of nowhere, Sonia enters the room and she's looking embarrassed. And if you can't recall, she she was the daughter of Marmaladov and she's the prostitute. She, I, I should stop saying that, that she's the prostitute. Sonia is so much more than that, but. Yeah, um, she is. Yeah. But I suppose up until, up until this point, we don't really know that. Yeah. Yeah. She isn't named too much yet. So mm-hmm. this is Sonia. Um, she enters yeah. the room and she invites Raskolnikov to the funeral and wants him to come to the dinner that will be held afterwards she says that the services will be held tomorrow and they want to they want it to happen tomorrow because marmaladov's body has just been rotting in the room and stinking up the whole building and everyone is getting so angry about it that they have to make the funeral like now Get that dead guy out of here. Yeah. And make sure to pick up his ribs as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Sonia looks around the room and realizes that, holy shit, Raskolnikov is really poor. And the money that he gave uh, the family for the funeral was probably his last dollar. So, the mother. She could tell because because she walked right through the threshold of the door and six inches in bumped into the back of someone. <laughs> yeah, she like opened the opened the door and like bumped into Rizumian or whoever was it's standing right it's next like, to it. It's like uh, a game of Twister in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after this. The mother and Dunya, they leave the room and as they exit, the mother is like, you know, she's kind of uh, doesn't know what to think about Sonia and she's just kind of like, goodbye. And like, but she can barely say it like like she just kind of stirs over his uh, over her own words because she's not quite sure how to act around a prostitute. Um, But (laughs) Dunya, she has a complete different goodbye, I guess. And she bows. She bows in front of Sonia. And Sonia is like completely thrown off guard because, you know, usually she is treated like shit. So outside. But a bow is very respectable. Oh, yeah. And, and it just goes to show how great Dunya is as a character. Yep. But once they're outside, the mother says she is unsure about Sonia. And be, but she also cites Peter's letter and, and like citing this as like, yeah, I'm not too sure about Sonia. But Dunya, she defends Sonia, saying that Peter, you know, he's a despicable slander. So even Dunya is starting to have like a 180 on her thoughts about this man she is about to marry. And the man I, who would who would come along and whisk her off her feet. Yeah. Even yeah. though I guess it's actually kind of hard to tell if she was completely interested in the romance part and maybe not, or, or uh, as opposed to just, like we said, she'd do anything for her family. So being uh, married to a wealthy man could probably set them up well enough too, because she's just looking out for mom and dear old Raskolnikov. Yeah. Real family. Uh, Person. Yeah, she seems pretty great. 
She is. She really is. Back in his room, Raskolnikov says that he, out, out of nowhere, he's like, I want to arrange an interview with a police detective so I can get back these pawned items that once belonged to his family. They all exit the room and Razumian asks if he is going to lock the door and Raskolnikov says, people are pretty happy who have no locks. So it's just like total Gandhi approach where like <laughs> Raskolnikov is just like, I have no need of possessions. There you go. Yeah. So he's ahead of his time, you know? Very, very fight club, man. The the possessions you own end up owning you. Ooh, that was a very good Brad Pitt. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, keep it up. <laughs> As Sonia starts to walk to her place, she is followed by a tall man that is about 50 years old, or he's very fashionable and appears pretty young for his age. He follows her to her building and goes up behind the stairs. And he's following her the whole time. And out of nowhere, he's just kind of like, bah, and like tries to scare her. And then <laughs> <laughs> Sonia reaches her room and the man stops her and he's saying, I live in the same building. How crazy. I just moved here today. He leaves and Sonia doesn't respond and she feels pretty uncomfortable from this interaction <laughs> so yeah i could see that yeah she's got a creeper like living right down the hall from her right next door as if her life wasn't hard enough at this point <laughs> now you gotta throw this guy into the mix Razumian and raskolnikov make their way to porifri porifri porifiri Porifiri. Okay, Porifiri. And this man is a police detective. Razumian has pretty high praise for this man. They're about to see. He's like, he solved a, a murder last year with no clues. And Raskolnikov becomes a bit nervous. But he's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make Razumian very angry. And I'm going to come off as a madman. So he, he just wants to visit this guy to get back like these family possessions to not upset his family. But then he realizes that he's walking into a lion's den, basically. The first thing that he, or the first thing that we witnessed him pawn to the pawnbroker woman that he murdered was his father's watch. Yeah. And he, he didn't get a very good price for it. Unfortunately, when he went and pawned it off because he was in a bit of a bind. Yeah, and who knows if he actually got the full price instead of the Pawn Stars price, you know, maybe yeah. he wouldn't have committed the crime. Best I can do is six rubles. <laughs> That's all I can do. That's all I can do. <laughs> so, like, Raskolnikov, he's, he's feeling pretty nervous, and he's like, all right, I'm just going to start, like, insulting the shit out of my best friend here. <laughs> so... He, he starts teasing Razumian about his crush he has on Dunya. And he's like, <laughs> this is a quote from the book. He says, your face was looking like sweet meat back there. Why are you so ashamed, you six foot tall Romeo? <laughs> and then he goes on to say, do you got pomade in your hair? Let's see it. And then Razumian gets very angry. And then like after every insult, Razumian's like, 
pig, pig. <laughs> yeah, and he uh, pulled out all the stops. He washed his face and shaved himself, and he's even got the he's got the suit on with the pomade. Yeah, so <laughs> six foot tall Romeo. <laughs> and again, Raskolnikov, you know, he doesn't really. He's not really talking that much. <laughs> the only time he wants to talk to his friend is when he uh, insults him about his crush he has. Bit of a rude boy. Yeah, very. They walk into Porphyry's room as Raskolnikov is like just laughing his head off and Razumian is like about to beat the living shit out of him. They So they walk in and then they're a mess, right? And then... They're like, oh shit, we gotta act proper here. <laughs> and Raskolnikov, he's like, I'm Raskol. And then he just starts laughing. And then Razumian, <laughs> he gets very angry and he calls him a fool. And then he decides to hit a table and then flip it right in front of this police detective. Wow. Yeah, so that's another thing about Razumian. You know, even though he is a good friend, he is kind of short tempered. Yeah, bit of a bit of a short fuse on him. Uh, likes flipping table likes flipping tables, you know, it's fun. I don't blame the dude. Yeah, sure. Raskolnikov eventually introduces himself and he's like, I'm sorry for my friend being such a Romeo. And Razumian, <laughs> he's just like, You fucking pig. <laughs> And then the detective who was at the tavern earlier, if you if you guys recall, um, Raskolnikov went to a tavern and he's like reading a newspaper about his murder. And then he's like teasing this detective and he's like, don't you suspect me of the murder? So it's that same detective that's along with um, periphery. The detective saddles up next to him and Raskolnikov goes on a bit of a rant about, oh, well, you know, if I was, if I killed, then I would have done this, that, and the other thing. And he kind of spells it all out to the guy for whatever reason. Yeah, and, and we'll um get into it, but Raskolnikov kind of has this sp- superiority complex about him. But oh, yeah, th- this will be soon explained here. So yeah, this guy is there along with periphery and Raskolnikov he he wants to once again he's there to recover his pond items that belong to his family so he's trying really hard to come off as innocent and explain why he needs it so he says about his father's watch he says if that thing is lost my mom would be sad you know how women are so just once again like these <laughs> Really bad stereotypes of women, Dostoevsky. He sprinkles in here. Yeah, sprinkled in is appropriate. They really come out of nowhere. Yeah, honestly. And then Raskolnikov is like, wait, why did I add that part about the women? (laughs) So (laughs) Periphery, he goes on to explain that he was expecting Raskolnikov because everyone else that had a pledged item at the pawnbroker pawnbroker's place has already picked up their stuff. So So it's kind of weird that he's last in line and he took an especially long time to come ask for his stuff too. Yes. Because I believe by this point, it's been five days since the murder or five or six or something like that. Yeah. And so like Raskolnikov... He responds like, oh, real clever, like real patronizing. 
But at the same time, he's like, oh, shit. Like, I really stepped into a trap here. And then Porphyry goes on to observe Raskolnikov and he notices how pale he is. And Raskolnikov is like, I'm actually quite well. I have the best doctor in the land looking after me, even though I'm his first patient. And I'm feeling like a $100 bill right now. Oh, yeah. So they go on to discuss how... Raskolnikov gave away like all of his money and he says well you guys don't know that what if I found a treasure and I hid it Uh, and then he says oh we must be boring you and it's pretty obvious Raskolnikov wants to get out of this trap but Porphyry is very interested Raskolnikov realizes that well, he fucked up pretty bad by coming in, coming here. And then he begins to realize that Periphery is playing a game of cat and mouse with him, which is, we'll see this throughout the novel. Periphery goes on to explain that most crimes are caused by the environment a criminal lives in. So kind of pointing towards, you know, Raskolnikov's situation with his room, his poverty, And he also tells Raskolnikov that he read his article he published called On Crime. And Raskolnikov barely remembers writing this thing. But everyone in the room was like, oh, shit, Raskolnikov. Like, you're the next um, George R.R. Martin. (laughs) (laughs) He he was a student and he had some articles written and printed in news journals or whatever that would be. Yeah. And well, I I hope that I don't get this wrong, but didn't he say something about how he had he hadn't even known it was printed in the journal because he just sent it out to a bunch of different places and he actually hadn't even received his payment for this specific printing yet or something? Yeah, exactly. So he contacted a few publishers and he just straight up forgets that he did this. Like he, he didn't even know that it, it was published in a pretty famous um, article. But yeah, so he mentions this article and Porphyry is very interested in a certain theme that Raskolnikov uh, wrote about. And this theory is that some men are extraordinary and above the law. Raskolnikov senses the trap and tries to explain himself he says that notable figures throughout history are regarded as heroes even though they are responsible for many deaths one figure he always points to is napoleon yep he he says that even though they're responsible for many deaths sometimes it's necessary for these men to exist because they can create new discoveries that would benefit humanity. And yeah, by by being in the upper tier of humanhood or however he would explain it, then the deaths are just a means to an end. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, if you guys recall, he called the pawnbroker a louse many times. Nothing but a nothing but a fly. Yes. People would be better off if she was dead and buried. Mm-hmm. So this is the kind of the first time we see a little bit of his motive for the crime. So he also explains that another theory is that everyday people, 
ordinary people. So there's two categories. There's like extraordinary and there's ordinary. He also explains that they like to be governed and basically told what to do. So they can't be extraordinary because only extraordinary people can usher in new eras and basically break the laws that are set upon them. Break out of the box. Yes. And then to conclude his two theories, Raskolnikov is like, but it's fine. The two categories of humans can coexist. (laughs) So I guess that's good to know. Ordinary and extraordinary. Yes. Periphery then asks if Raskolnikov is a man of God and if he believes in the story of Lazarus rising from the dead. And this will uh, appear throughout the novel as well, the story of Lazarus. Raskolnikov says that he does. Periphery goes on to question how the two are distinguished and how many of them there are referring to like the extraordinary men and the ordinary men. And so, so would, what exactly is the story of Lazarus? Is it as cut and dry as someone dies and comes back to life? I can't say I'm too familiar with that. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you brought it up because I did want to go into it. So there was a man uh, named Lazarus and he died. (laughs) And then, um, R.I.P. Yeah, this is going to be a super brief summary. But and then a couple days later, Jesus rolled into this town and I I believe Lazarus's sister or somebody told him about um, the death of him himself. And then um, Jesus just basically says, the uh, whoever believes in me can be risen from the dead and he resurrects Lazarus. And oh that, wow, yeah. So like, that I, I believe that's the only instance that he does resurrect somebody. But I mean, pretty, you know, resurrection is a very extraordinary task. So I, I mean, it's a very big story in the Bible. Sounds like Jesus was practicing some necromancy. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the thing that's so interesting about it because it's very dark subject and and even like kind of taboo but it is a very famous story absolutely and then raskolnikov says that he does believe in that story periphery goes on to question how the two category of two categories of men are distinguished and he also wonders like how many of how many of these extraordinary men are there? And then the periphery says, I, I would be, I'll be totally honest with you. I would be ready to bow down to them, but there has to be so many. And then Raskolnikov is like, well, not so fast. It's probably just like one in a hundred thousand or one in a million or just one person in St. Petersburg. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't say that last part, but Razumian is pretty disgusted by this whole theory. This is his first time hearing it. And Periphery goes on to question Raskolnikov and he's kind of like teasing him and like laughing at him. He's like, how do these people pay for their crimes? And Raskolnikov believes they will go to prison and suffer mentally. 
And he also says that great men are probably pretty depressed. And Periphery then asks if Raskolnikov feels at least a bit extraordinary. He replies, hmm, possibly, <laughs> like just super casual. And he also asks if he would rob and murder. And he says, if I did, I wouldn't tell you. And then... Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Totally innocent. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then Periphery then says that someone quite special might have committed the murders. So, ooh. Someone extraordinary. And maybe a bit handsome and maybe has a new set of clothes. Oh, baby. A new hats, maybe? Showed up dead last uh, to pick up his possessions. <laughs> Who knows? Could be in the room Who among knows? us. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and then he... Oh, so this is important. He asks if Raskolnikov saw any painters the time he visited the pawnbroker before the murder. And if you would recall, we discussed the painters briefly, but they have um, been accused of the murders at this point because they were there the day of the murder. But it's not likely. Well, it's obviously not likely. But for those that aren't are in the story, like Razumian was saying, they're wrestling and giggling <laughs> outside after and the murder. So it doesn't make they sense. They were... They were on paper technically the only culprits because they were the only people that they knew were in the building at the time, but they also just, without a doubt, couldn't have done it. Yeah, it's just the total, like, at the wrong place, at the wrong time. So, But this is important because Periphery knows that the painters were there the day of the murder. So he asks Raskolnikov if the day he visited the pawnbroker to... Upon the watch, if he saw the painters. Now, Raskolnikov did see the painters on the day of the murder, but he is able to catch himself and say that he didn't, indicating to Periphery that he wasn't there the day of the murder. Yeah, that would be pretty sharp. You just have the guys in there for the one day, and that happens to be the day she's murdered. So you say, yeah, I saw them there. And they're like, oh, well, you're the only person that went and visited her that day. Exactly. So I'm actually very smart. Yes, yes. This man, this detective is very smart. But Raskolnikov, you know, even though he is a bit of a madman, madman he can, he, he kind of, he knows what's going on as well. He's, he's smart as well. After this, they exit out onto the street, Razumian and Raskolnikov. And Razumian is like, I can't believe they suspect you of the murders. Raskolnikov is just kind of like, they have no evidence. And that <laughs> this was a witch hunt. Razumian says like, how dare they suspect you of that? They are making their way to see Raskol Raskolnikov's mother and Dunya. They're going to the meeting, right? And then Raskolnikov is like, you know what? Just go on without me. Razumian doesn't want to leave without him. And Raskolnikov responds, why do you want to torture me too? <laughs> and so he's obviously pretty tired of everyone's presence because... His paranoia is increasing. And yeah, he 
must see them as a little overbearing. And maybe maybe his friend of his here may actually be a little overbearing, but, you know, <laughs> we keep saying it. He means well. He means well. Yeah. <laughs> he means well. Yes, exactly. He's a good boy. He, he really is. We love Resumian. Yes, we do. Yeah, so as Raskolnikov's paranoia heightens, so does his ability to get irritated. So Raskolnikov heads back to his room, which, again, is always unlocked. <laughs> You'd think he would start locking his door at this point. Yeah. But he, he makes sure, once again, that there is no evidence of the murder just due to this whole interrogation scene that went down that he did not intend for. He just wanted to get his father's watch. He leaves the room and the porter of the building points out Raskolnikov to an old, short, fat man. The old man leaves the building and Raskolnikov is like already paranoid, but he's freaked out by this dude. And he catches up to him and he walks by his side for about a minute. So he's just like walking side by side next to him and he doesn't say anything. (laughs) And the old man is just like trying to like duck his head and tries to act like he doesn't notice Raskolnikov is walking right next to him. And then... <laughs> so Raskolnikov is like, hey, why were you asking about me? He does, And then the man doesn't answer the, sec- or the first time. And then after Raskolnikov asks for a second time, the man just looks at Raskolnikov and with very sinister eyes, he calls him a murderer. He just screams, yeah, he he screams murderer, like right out in public. Not exactly what I was hoping to hear right here, right now. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I've been going through a lot, okay? Yeah. I got a lot on my plate right now. (laughs) Yeah. I got a murder to cover up here, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Mind your own business, would (laughs) you? This legitimately shocks Raskolnikov and he he can't talk for another minute but he's still walking right next to the dude and so like silence just is happening again and then he's like oh shit Uh, what do you mean who's a murderer and then the man looks at him with a cold smile he's like well you are well see once again you can't help but notice that Raskolnikov isn't exactly a great improviser because he stops dead in his tracks or, you know, metaphorically dead in his tracks and, yeah, doesn't talk. <laughs> and then he's like, I didn't I didn't murder anybody. I don't even know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> once again, he's not great on the spot. Bro, do you know what this reminds me of? What's up? So, you know how you always bring up the story of me drinking the beers at the cabin when we were in high school? Oh, I remember. <laughs> so, I remember when my dad discovered that there's one beer missing from the fridge. Okay. Oh, I remember and, it well, too. Yeah. So, my dad sit me down at the table and... <laughs> So I'm just kind of like, oh, God, like this is the same interaction that happened. Like, you know, he's like, I know you drank the beer from the fridge and I just stood there for like a minute. (laughs) And I was like, no, I used it to start the fire. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's alcohol it's alcohol like it's flammable right <laughs> so yeah, yeah um, like i didn't look suspicious there at all either very accurate i remember being in that cabin or whatever of yours and yeah there were like the six keystones and sure enough uh i can't remember if it was later that day or a few days later and you're like yeah my dad was waiting for me to drink one of those beers <laughs> He set you up. Yeah, my dad set me up, and it still scars me to this day. No. <laughs> oh, oh, I it, that would scar me to this day if I were you. I feel you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'd imagine the scar Raskolnikov in the same way. <laughs> yeah, no, I imagine that you and him felt the same exact um fear shoot through your system. <laughs> yeah, like my um. I was about as guilty as an axe murderer. Yep. <laughs> so this whole interaction, like the man leaves, he continues walking and Raskolnikov, he can't even like stand up straight. Like he's shaking at the knees, dude. Like he's looking like Elvis out here. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually he makes his way back to the apartment and lies on his couch and he returns this to this delirious state as he often does. He thinks about his theory about how goofy it would have been if Napoleon would have done the crime that Raskolnikov did instead of Raskolnikov himself. And he's just kind of like, you know, I don't think I'm on the same level as this Napoleon guy. You know, I, I just killed a lady and like it's obviously not working out well for me. As compared to, I suppose, the the righteous killings of, you know, uh, someone on a war path or whatever. Like Napoleon's accomplishments are obviously much greater than Raskolnikov's. Absolutely. No matter how um, flawed they might have been. Right. And then Raskolnikov, he's just kind of thinking there and he's like, this was a quote from the book too. He, he calls himself an aesthetic louse. So he's like, yeah, I'm a piece of shit, but at least, at least I'm like handsome. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So he's got at, something going at, for at him. least he recognizes some of his self-worth, you know? Yeah. So he loses consciousness and finds himself in the street at night. He is summoned by a man who leads him to the pawnbroker's house. Isn't it the same guy? What guy? The guy that called him a murderer. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, okay. I just, I had to ask that. I, I think that it is the same guy. It might be, but I don't want to get it wrong just in sure. case. <laughs> yeah, either way, it'll be a guy. Yeah, all, all I know is that it was a mysterious dude that led him sure. to the house. And um, Alrighty. he goes up to the stair. he goes up the stairs and goes into a room, into the pawnbroker's room, which is very dark and illuminated by a blood red moon. So just imagine like a very dark room. There's no candles or any source of light except for this red beam of light coming from the moon. Very creepy. And then to add to it, he notices a cloak just hanging in the corner of the room and suspects that well, there there might be something behind that. He removes the cloak and reveals the pawnbroker crouched on a stool with her head down. He raises the axe and starts swinging at her head, which does no damage at all. 
being confused, he tries to crouch down to get a look at her and see like if he did any damage, but like she starts to lower her head so he can't see her. So he decides to get all the way down to the ground and look up at her. And he sees that she is laughing hysterically, but she is completely silent. Frightening imagery here. Yes, very. This was super creepy. But this is soon interrupted once all of the residents of the building come to basically witness Raskolnikov fail this murder and they start laughing at him. But imagine like the volume is cranked up to 10, like their laughing is. And then Raskolnikov tries to leave the building as everyone's surrounding him, laughing at him but his legs become stuck and he can't move. So he screams. And if you couldn't tell already, this was a dream. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Now see, he's having this vivid dream of something that happened to him recently. And I, I can at least feel fortunate that I have stress dreams about small things sometimes like showing up to work late. But Mm, once again, well, you know what? No, I'm going to go all in the dreams I have about, losing my attendance bonus at work is the same exact thing as having a stress room about murdering someone much to how your dad sitting you down at the table and telling you not to drink beers is the same as you know uh him being called a murderer and not knowing what to come back with yes exactly same thing yeah yeah obviously the interaction he had earlier was frightening enough for him and then this dream reveals a lot about himself like he's very scared of being you know i mean i guess it could be a metaphor all these people laughing at him witnessing this murder like he realizes kind of on a subconscious level that his crime is going to make society laugh at him instead of be the being this superior being that he wants to be it's also interesting that he immediately pictures the crowd of people running into oogle at what he's doing like um when he brought marmeladov back to his house and other situations like that mm-hmm. the yeah, masses so th- immediately crowd around to get a look at what's going on yeah and this happens so many times in the book but he's witnessing it as himself and his actions so and obviously he doesn't like it so but he he awakes from this dream in the corner of his room a man is just like watching him sleep the man is just chilling in this chair for like 10 minutes and Raskolnikov after like 10 minutes of like noticing this man he's like uh can I help you and then the man introduces himself as Arkady Ivanovich Svidri Gaylov. And and we will get to know all about him in part four. Part four. Yes, he Crime is. Crime and punishment. The the bow is tied on part three. Part and three. And wasn't it an exciting section of the book? Yes. Yeah. The bow is tied. The present is under the tree, but within it is part four. So you're gonna, you guys are gonna have to tune in to reveal what's in part four when we put out 
well when we make part four. <laughs> have have you any uh, maybe highs and lows from from part three of a crime and punishment? Now that we can look mm. at it in retrospect. Some of the interactions that happen are pretty funny and, and just kind of heartbreaking for for his family, his mother and sister. It obviously sucks. The son they once knew is not him anymore. Like his friend Resumian, he's pouring his heart out for these people as well um, to kind of catch up for Raskolnikov's slack. We, we, are, we are also introduced to Periphery, who will become a re- recurring character in this story, a very important one. And we finally, the part that was cool about this part was we finally get to see a little bit of Raskolnikov's motive and because it wasn't entirely clear, but we'll see throughout the book that, you know, he's already had, he already has like a couple theories, but this was kind of like his major one that he seems to be sticking to. I think I have to agree with all your points there other than there's still a lot of, a lot of good little bits here. I love that. This is when we were introduced to Porfiry and, I, I really like how how much we're seeing from Resumian as he helps Raskolnikov and his family. Mm-hmm. It's just there's a lot of stuff going on, and his his vivid nightmare and the man who randomly calls him a murderer on the street. Oh yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, I, I believe we have three more parts of this um, book too, so there'll be. A whole lot more going on, but this does about mark the halfway point. Yeah, well, this is the halfway. It is six parts, so yeah, we are halfway done with this series. And yeah, I'm very excited to continue on with it. Me too. Um, did you have any any final thoughts before we before we wrapped this whole thing up? Yeah, stay tuned, guys, because. The, you think that this was a roller coaster? Uh, well, guess what? This this baby isn't slowing down. Raskolnikov, you know, I hate to say it, but his life is not getting any better. So, and, and something we can we can say right now, which is kind of fun. This will kind of date the the recording right now, but as of today, you have officially uploaded episode zero to Spotify, and. Anyone that hears this up to date won't be hearing about it until weeks after us talking right now. But uh, it's very exciting because we've we've both put a hearty amount of work into this whole venture so far. Yeah, so I, I just uploaded our first episode today and the amount of giddiness that i had when i actually saw like our work on spotify was just oh my gosh it's a feeling that i haven't had in a very long time it it, you know it's just i'm very proud very proud i'm really glad to hear it and I've, i've been having a good time with this so far and um here is to what is to come yeah of course, and we are so happy that you guys have been listening along with us. So, yeah, catch us on the next episode, episode four, part four. And, yeah, we'll be happy to, um, I don't know, <laughs> tune in we'll with you guys. We'll be happy to come back and, <laughs> and give you more descriptions of this 
timeless classic, Crime and Punishment. Yes, of course. Alrighty, well, if if that sounds good to you, then uh, we'll just say that we're signing off here. Yeah, once again, thank you guys so much for listening, and have a wonderful day. God bless ya.